The year is 2009. The World Health Organization has officially named the H1N1 flu virus, otherwise known as the swine flu, a global pandemic. June 25th may be named the new day the music died, as the king of pop, Michael Jackson, dies from cardiac arrest from an overdose mixture of prescription drugs. And a one-time Jedi uses his skills and talents to save his daughter from being sold as a sex slave. GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz, hot shot! Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Please, we can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Last Action Podcast. I have here with me... He's staring at me, doesn't want to share who he is, so I guess I'll tell you who he is, LPJ. What's going on, LPJ? That's right. Hey, Sphinx, how are you? I am fantastic. I thought I'd leave you hanging in the breeze. I didn't know what the hell you were trying to do there, (laughs) but you know what? I was ready for it. I just thought it would be funny to let you dangle. Uh, Hilarious. Uh That's great. Today... We are taking on actually the most recent movie um, that we've done on our podcast so far. And this is 2009's Taken, which technically actually came out. Well, it came out in 2000. No, hold on. It came out in 2008 in France. I see. But I went with the U.S. release because last I checked, we're American, not French. Wow. Wow. Is yes. that, is that no, wrong? You're not wrong. Right, is there something you would like to share with our audience? Technically not wrong. Okay, then. Thank you very much. So, Taken, LPJ, anything you got on this in terms of when you saw it, impact it's had on you? My voice kind of <clears throat> was weird there. I don't know what happened there. I saw this in the theater. I'm a Did big, you? I'm a big Luke Besson fan. Okay. So Leon the Professional is one of my favorite movies. Okay. Uh, Luke Besson is the writer of this film and producer of this film, mm-hmm. and um, I just enjoy Luke Besson's stuff in general. Uh, so I went and saw this in the theater. I assume I went and saw it with with my friend Joe. We he and I are the one. He and I usually go to see movies together. Yeah. And um, I remember once I saw this movie, I enjoyed it quite a bit. And upon a rewatch, I still enjoy it quite a bit. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of ashamed to admit this. It's my first time seeing it. This is really? You suggested we watch this? I did. I picked this movie because I wanted to watch it because I've never seen it. I'm really surprised you haven't seen this. I mean, I'm trying to think like if this was a 2008, 2009 movie, like I had just gotten married, maybe there was a lot going on in my life. I don't really know. Like I first had my real job, you know, first got my real job. I'm, I'm thinking things just got busy and I didn't get a chance to see it. I mean, everything about it. I ended up, you know, thoroughly enjoying. Mm-hmm. Like it's definitely in my line of action movies that I like, but I, I have never seen it. Now, obviously, I know a ton of, about it. Like it's, I mean, you know, it's a famous movie today. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's certainly yeah. a pop cultural phenomenon. Yeah, right. Had but you, but I have actually never seen it. Had you seen any? Because uh, this is very similar and along the same veins 
along the same lines of a lot of Luke Besson's films. Mm-hmm. Have you seen a Luke Besson? Do you know? So let's. I guess let's start. Let's start from the beginning. Okay. So it was directed by uh, Pierre Morel. Correct. Um, who didn't really direct much after this. This is really his only big credit. Yeah, uh, he, he was, was a, a cinematographer. cinematographer. Yeah. yeah, cinematographer for for Luke Besson on films like um, I think he did. I think he was a cinematographer for Transporter. Yeah, this is a French film, technically. I mean, you got French director, French producer, one of yeah, them. Luke so, yeah, Luke Ben's French. Okay. Ro- Robert Music Mark Heyman is not. He's uh, he's in, he's American, I believe. I think so. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this is a French movie, hence why it came out in France first. Correct. So I just wanted to make that clear. So that's why, like, you know, because the director's name was not one I was familiar with. So no, and and obviously he's not that big of a director. He even even among French films, he doesn't he doesn't do a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is really his big credit. Um, and, and like I said, this was produced and written by Luke Besson, who is famous for Leon the Professional, mm-hmm. uh, which, like I said, is one of my all-time favorite movies. He also did The Fifth Element. Yep. He did the Transporter series. Have you, have you, have you seen any of those films? I have not. You haven't seen The Fifth Element? I've seen The Fifth Element. Okay. I have not seen The Transporters. Transporter films Actually, are really you good. know, I take it back. I think I've seen... <sighs> I think I've seen most of the first one. Mm-hmm. Like it's those are frequently on TV, mm-hmm. so I feel like I never like start to finish have seen them. So that'll have to be one of our episodes in the future. Oh, absolutely! Because I would love to see them because I like um, what's his name, Jason Statham. Yes, yeah, okay. Statham's going to be a, an actor we we're going to be mentioned a couple times. Yeah, um, yeah. So this this is uh, this is this is another classic Luke Besson film. I mean, they're relatively story driven they've got some mm-hmm. action in them um they're generally very enjoyable films i had on here too though he, had, he did have a co-writer which he teams with a lot actually yeah robert mark Kamen. yes and i don't know why but reviewing and, and researching a little bit on robert mark Kamen, i don't know he kind of fascinated fasc, fascinated fascinated well, me it's, it's late yeah it is late for us right now not that any of these people know or care but no. anyway um he was the writer for the Karate Kid movies, mm-hmm. um, Lethal Weapon 3, and has done a lot of other movies with, uh, like you said, Luke Besson, but he's also like a famous and serious winemaker. He sold his first screenplay in 1980 for like $150,000, bought himself a bunch of land in the Sonoma Valley and started doing all this wine growing. And that's like what he does for his life. I had no like, idea. Yeah, like screenwriting is like a side piece to him. Wow. Like what a life, right? Like he just kind of works at his winery and does what he wants. And when he gets bored, he decides to write a, a screenwrite for a film. That's pretty fantastic. Right? I live in Sonoma Valley of California. Huh. This guy sounds amazing. I want to be friends with him. Anyway, that's uh, that's Robert Mark Kamen, who is the co-writer here. Uh, music is Nathanel. Is it Macaulay, I'm going to guess with? I'm not good with my French phrases or names. I have to look at it to pronounce it properly. Right. I think Uh, it's like Macaulay. It is Nathaniel McCallie. You think it's McCallie? McCallie? Yeah, it's probably McCallie. Nathaniel McCallie. Right. Well, he's French and his past has been all sorts of French movies that I have no idea what they are. Mm -hmm. So, but I, you know, you and I both said before we started recording that, you know, it's, it's a great action movie soundtrack it is and it's it's almost like every single piece is scored for each individual moment in each scene yeah uh like the part where uh there's a scene where um a guy jumps off of an overpass onto a truck 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I music, love that scene because yeah. then he gets hit by the he, he gets hit by a truck. The the music cuts out and is almost is silent as the guy's falling through the air and then mm-hmm. kicks back in when he lands with like a hit, almost like it's written yeah. specifically for that moment. Exactly. And I believe you're gonna. Um, Clue us in on a little clip here. I believe it's when they're at the construction site. Yeah, this is, is right? the, this is the the chase at the construction site. Perfect. So, so we'll put a little bit of that. Yeah, on let's give you. a listen here. Yep, music's very frenetic, mm-hmm. um, and it's and it's f- frenetic in the same way the film is cut. The film yeah. is cut in a very frenetic passion, a very fr- uh, frenetic, fa- very frenetic <laughs> fashion. <laughs> Woo, it is late. Yep. So, uh, going through our cast here, obviously the star of this movie is Liam Neeson, who is playing uh, Brian Mills. Correct. So, the first cast idea, though, was Jeff Bridges. And he was cast. He was cast. That's right. He ended up turning it down. No, he dropped out. Okay. He was getting ready to film. Uh, he was getting ready to, f- to, to start production on this, and then it dropped out. I, did, I couldn't find out why. Okay. Uh, but it dropped out. Um, and then upon viewing the movie after it was finished, he said Liam Neeson did a much better job than he would have done. And I actually agree with him on that. I agree. I mean, Jeff, I mean... It, it was 10 years ago, but still, I don't think Jeff Bridges has that physique and that and he's really, intensity. He's really laid back. It. Yeah. He's his real laid back character. Yeah, he's the um, dude, man. He I is mean, the dude. That just wouldn't make sense. Liam himself, you know, he liked the idea of wanting to do a more physical movie because that definitely is not in his past um, at all. Um, he also didn't think this movie was really going to turn out to be anything. He actually thought it was going to go straight to uh, DVD. Yeah, he really just wanted to spend four months in Paris is what he said. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he did learn some karate for the film and was trained by a special air service soldier as well um, for the moves. I don't know. I, I Liam Neeson steals the show for me in this movie. He does a fabulous job. Yeah, he, absolute fabulous. He job. inadvertently became an action hero. Yeah, he did. In in he's now known as an uh, as an action actor. Yeah, which is crazy. He's like, what is he? He was like fifty five or fifty six when this was filmed. Yeah, and and to then become an action star, he's got that face of an act. Like he just he looks. I'm trying to think of the word. He intelligently look, intense. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. That's two words, but I'll, I'm mm-hmm. going to take it. Yeah, yep. totally agree. Maggie Grace is Kim Mills, which is the daughter who is the main part of our, our movie here, who gets kidnapped. Um, you know, I, this is another show that I, I should have watched but never did, but I guess she's, she was a big character in Lost. I don't know. I never watched Lost. All right. That's great. That worked mm. out. Um, but she is in all three Takens. So can I ask you, because I haven't seen any of the Taken movies, is she kidnapped in all three? I haven't seen two or three. I've only, really? seen, take, I've only seen the first Taken mo- oh. movie. Well, you didn't answer my question then. Nope. All right. Do you think she's been kidnapped in all three movies? I'd like to think she is. Really? You don't mm-hmm. think that's like redundant? Why would it be called taken if she wasn't? That's maybe like maybe she has a daughter that gets taken. Who cares? 
I'm just going to go ahead and assume that she was taken. Someone's going to tell us on Discord mm-hmm. or somewhere that, yeah, this is how it works. Because oh, I'm, yeah, we'll I'm get, sure we'll so many people have probably seen all the Taken movies. Somehow we're doing action podcasts, and I'm not. But whatever. <laughs> Deal with it, people. All right. <laughs> We've got Fonky Jessen. Who? Is that a day? Fomke Jansen. Fomke Jansen. You know what? Whatever. She is Lenore or Lenny St. John, um, which is Brian Mills, which is Liam Neeson's ex-wife. More famously, she is Xena Anatop from GoldenEye and Jean Grey from the Brian Singer X-Men movies. Mm-hmm. So she um, she plays a good role in this. She's yeah, She was good. Kind of crabby. But. You know, she was kind of crabby, but I can certainly understand... There was a thing I, 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 upon this watch of the film, I really understood where she's coming from. Where she's coming from, because obviously he's married to his job. Mm-hmm. He never spends any time at home. Yeah, obviously she's going to be pissed at him. And she, it seems like until the daughter gets kidnapped, that she made a pretty damn good choice with the husband she ended up marrying because yeah. he's rich. Yep, filthy rich. Played by Xander Berkeley of uh, Walking Dead fame. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I know he's in Apollo 13 as well. And from 24. Is he? The first season of 24. I never saw the first season of 24, um, believe he's, it or not. I think he like gets a virus or something. Maybe second season. He, he catches something and dies or gets shot. Something. I don't know. Anyway. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, and those are all the characters I kind of listed down. Did you have anyone else? I mean, there's a bunch of other people uh, in the film. I, but. There are some really good character actors in this. Yeah. Uh, this is the... The first time we'll be technically talking about it on this show, but second time we've talked about him is uh, John Grise, a.k.a. Uncle Rico. Oh, yeah. He's in right. this movie. Uh, Leela Norser is in this movie. Um, hold on a second here. I have another. There it is. And who was the other one? Uh, David Warshawski. Uh What was interesting, these guys are all, they're all like ex-agency friends of Liam Neeson's character. I did see that. And they all played spies or um or or like uh act they were in cop thriller tv shows so john grise was in the pretender leland orser was in the pretender and in 24 and uh david warshawski has kind of made an act has made a career of playing minor roles in cop shows and spy dramas mm-hmm. uh so all of these guys are kind of playing to their type yeah, they in fit perfectly in this film. They really do. Yeah. They really do. And I like I, Leland Orser I've seen in, in several films and I enjoy him in general. Great. So let's let's kind of get right into this. So Brian Mills, he's ex-CIA. Um, we start this film. He's buying a karaoke machine for his daughter. Birthday party. She's turning 17. Um, seems like he doesn't have much of a relationship with her, but wants to build one. And he um, clearly still thinks of her as a little girl. Correct. Because there's, there's a theme throughout the film where he thinks she wants to be a singer um, she's growing up and I think doesn't really want to be one or maybe mom is pressuring her like, Hey, you need to do something real with your life. Not trying to be a singer type of deal. But when, when Brian shows up to the birthday party, which is at the ex wife's new husband's house, you know, there's a karaoke machine, but then he pulls out a damn pony. He's clearly, instead. this is clearly a very large, he's very rich. Yes. So she's getting, uh, much more than what, Brian could offer her as her father. Yes. We we then get a little bit taste of, of where Mills is coming from. He hangs out with a couple of his ex-CIA friends. He gets offered a quick one-time job to work security for this famous pop star singer. Um, while he's working the show, 
I, I don't think this is a common thing that happens in, in real life, but this crowd overpowers them, and uh, some random guy shows up with a knife wanting to stab this music star, and then we see for the first time Brian Mills kick ass because he destroys that dude with the knife. Mm-hmm. And, and you then, get a you get a feeling that because he shows up to the party already with scratches on his face, mm-hmm. so you get an idea that this isn't something new to him. That he's still he may be retired, but he's not dead, as yeah, he says. Exactly. Yeah. He meets up for lunch with his daughter Kim the next day. Well, she calls him. She calls him and says, yeah. "Hey, let's let's have lunch." He thinks it's just going to be with her. Yeah. Mom shows up. She sure does. And there's there's a whole like so she wants to take a trip to Paris with her friend. And since she's not 18 yet, she needs consent from both parents to do so. Obviously, Mills being ex-CIA is highly skeptical of this. I'm going to guess he's seen a lot of shit in his job throughout the years. And, I would imagine he has. Yes, and really doesn't want her to go. Then he gets treated as, you know, the, the, the ex-wife is like, you know, why would you do this to her? This is what she wanted and yada, yada, yada. Eventually, he caves does sign that consent form, has a whole list of rules for he her. He has three rules. Yeah. He has to call her when she lands. Yep. He has to call her whenever she changes places, mm-hmm. whenever she goes to a different spot, and uh, he has to call her every night. Correct. Yep. And he gives her a phone loaded with his number. That's an international phone. Yes, it is. So, oh, I like to, that, that kind of brings up, um, in the beginning of the movie... Did you notice that he was taking pictures with a um, disposable camera? Disposable camera. Yeah. This is 2008. We're talking here. Sure. Like, why is that's not a thing anymore, right? Well, I know that that was the joke. Is why is he still using that? That was because he's very old school. Oh, that was supposed to be a joke. Yeah. That's oh, what did, she did. says. The, the 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 mom says we have a professional photographer, and he pulls out the the port the 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 one time use camera. Oh, I guess I missed that. I. I was. I just thought he was like legit using the camera. I'm like, what the hell? This is kind of weird. Mike, I know this movie's ten years old, but there's no way that <laughs> point and shoot camera, you know, like those yeah. disposables are still a thing. Yeah. So anyway, while he's taking her to the airport, because that was one of the other rules, he had to take her to the airport. Oh, that was the other one. Yes. Yeah. He looks through her luggage and finds out that this is not just a trip to Paris, is it, LPJ? No, they're following you two around on their European concert. Yeah. European tour. So she's got circled all these other cities in Europe. She never told him. He kind of flips out, you know, at the airport, but they decide to let her go. So they get to Paris. Uh, her and her friend Amanda, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Played by Katie Cassidy. Yes. Of... Uh, Green Arrow fame. Okay. I don't know what Green Arrow is. It's a TV show. Or Arrow, I'm sorry. It's Arrow on CW. Anything else about it? It's a superhero show. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh. Arrow, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow. I didn't know there was a Green Arrow in the DC universe. At all? Like, you didn't even know the comic character existed? No. Ugh, we're going to talk after this. <laughs> I have no idea. All right, anyway. Um... They meet up, so they're they're looking to get a taxi, and this guy shows up. I don't know what his name is, Peter, I, maybe? Yeah, I think it is Peter. He shows up to talk, you know, he's talking to them, and he's like, hey, you want to share a cab? Obviously, they build some sort of relationship on this cab ride. He takes a picture for them mm-hmm. uh, at the cab stand, 
and then he invites them to a party yeah. later. Amanda's kind of clueless. She's like, oh, yeah, we'll oh, go to this party. She's super ditzy American, like doesn't have any idea of what's going on. Yeah. And then they go up into this apartment that Amanda, I think it's a family member, like a cousin, their yeah, family. Yeah, Amanda's cousins own the own this basically the entire floor of this apartment complex. And they yeah. were, they told her parents that the, the, the cousins were going to be there. The cousins are actually in Spain. Correct. So they are not there. And it's just Amanda and um, Kim. Kim there by themselves. And by then we see Peter's on the phone like, oh, yeah, everything's ready to go here. Yep. So we know that Peter is this person that is catching people for something that's He's about a scout. to happen. He's what they call a scout. Thank you. Okay. So at that point, um, we have Brian finds out that she did not call him after the flight landed. So she's a little bit late, but finally does call dad. No, he calls her. She finally oh, picks up. Oh, you're right. Up. Then she ends. No, did he call twice and then she picked up the second, second time? She, yeah, she you're picked right. up the second time. You're right. Yep. She goes into the bathroom, which is like on the other side of this damn building. And so she can see through two sets of windows while she's in the bathroom that little Amanda is taken hostage. Being like, kidnapped. Yeah, being yes, kidnapped. People have broken here. in. They're kidnapping. So she says, so Kim says, Dad, they've taken her. Uh, uh, they're breaking in. They're yeah. going to kidnap me. And he says, He says they are going to kidnap He says, Go to the other room, get <laughs> under the nearest bed. Yeah. And he says, Listen to me very carefully. <laughs> The next five minutes are the most important five minutes of your life. Yeah. They're going to take you. <laughs> can you can you imagine saying that to your child? They're going to just yep. just so you know, they're gonna take you. And he put well no, he go he goes into he goes into you know, CIA mode. CIA mode and he pulls out his box, his black his giant his suitcase with all his equipment in it. Oh, He's yeah. recording the conversation. He says and then you're going to have about five to ten seconds. Shout out everything you notice about them. Describe them as best you can. Yeah. And so she shouts out a bunch of stuff, and they definitely take her. They do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, would you allow your 17-year-old to go to a foreign country? No. Right? Like, I feel like after watching this, which I'm going to actually bring this point up a little bit later, like, there's no way my 17-year-old is going by themselves to a foreign country no my sister who is 34 just went to (laughs) austria and then all over europe and i was scared for her and she's 34 yeah like i i know that it's extremely rare for things to really happen in real life but nonetheless like you are on your own like i couldn't do it couldn't do it anyway brian stays on the line and i have this I'm saying the whole thing. Yeah, go ahead. I have it saved to it because I love it. Brian tells the kidnappers. I'm going to try my best Liam Neeson here. I know you're, <sighs> just, you're already giving me a look. Just say the line. No, I'm going to say it the way I want to say it. You know what? Shut it. Here we go. <clears throat> All right. I'm getting ready. Here we go. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of Skills. Skills. I have acquired over a very long career skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you and I will kill you. It was really good. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. You know, I have to say 
that line, like that's how I know Taken, even though I haven't seen this movie. Like everyone knows that line. Yeah, particular I, set of skills. I, I will, yeah, particular set of skills. I will find you. I will kill you. Like the the middle part there is usually chopped off when people sure. recite the quote. You know, I I have a bold statement here. I don't know if you you agree or disagree. Is this one of the most famous lines in the last decade of of any movie? I feel like getting good quotes out of movies is really hard to come by nowadays. Yes, because I don't think movies are written to have quotes anymore like action movies of the past especially schwarzenegger movies mm-hmm. let's say always had some kind of quip or uh catchphrase you know i'll be back or, yeah or how about a light or you is know, it because of split. how they've gotten cheesy or because That's even, just how they were written because even with neeson saying this like it's such a famous quote i mean it's a it's a damn good statement well a good monologue is a good monologue right regardless of what movie it's in and this is just this is just a good monologue uh and he delivers it extremely well too he does a lot better than me that's why he's the actor that makes millions and i sit here exactly uh but yeah i would say this is definitely one of the most quote especially particular set of skills because it can be used kind of in a lot of situations Mm -hmm. and it is used in a lot of situations is there a particular situation you want to tell me that that you use it in no Oh, you really seem like you wanted to. Nope. All right, fine. So, <laughs> great quote. I love it. Brian finds out through this recording of the cell phone conversation. It seems really easy for him to figure this out. Yeah, a little that was, too easy. Well, um, well, he pawns off the work to his CIA buddies. He does, and they run it through whatever analytics they have. So somehow they find out they're like sex traffickers from Albania. Well, he figures out that the guy's speaking Albanian okay. and that they went to Paris. So they were able to narrow down Albanians in Paris kidnapping <laughs> people. Yeah. It has to do with sex traffickers. Now, the fact that they found out that they were from a particular town in Albania, yeah. that, you know, whatever. That, that you're basically what you're, taking, what you're taking with a grain of salt is the amount of knowledge that they have access to mm-hmm. so maybe they have special cia clearance and d- databases where all this information is stored i don't know but the point is they figure it out and relay the information to him and he kind of goes on from there he sure does i mean he's ultimately told he's got like 96 hours he's like after 96 hours the likelihood of you finding your daughter is like zero right so you've got to do it now so he finds his way to paris um he's able to kind of replay the events in the apartment because he was given the address when the daughter told him where told her where told mm-hmm. him where he was going, told her where he was going. Can't talk anymore. And uh, while replaying the events, he hits a strand of hair, which I don't. I think it's her hair, maybe. Yeah, the hair never really, it never gets used again. In no, the, movie. the hair never gets used back in the movie. But he he finds he finds uh, the phone. he finds the phone, and from the memory card in the phone, he's able to look at the pictures there, and he sees the reflection of Peter, mm-hmm. who had taken a picture of the girls. Correct. And from that, he was able to stand by the airport. Know exactly where to be. Know exactly where to be and uh, look for this guy who and happened to be wearing similar clothing. And, and doing the exact same doing thing. Doing the exact same thing. So I love it because out of nowhere in the film, he like slams his head, yeah. I think, into like the cab side yeah, of the cab. Yeah, pushes him into the cab. Yeah. Tells the cab driver to drive. Obviously, the cab driver just gets out. Yeah. So that's where we have our first real, well, I guess our second intense action scene besides the the knife at the concert, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Peter tries to escape. He makes a really dramatic jump over the overpass of the Paris freeway and then boom, he gets, gets hit by a truck, plowed by a truck. Yep. So at that point, he has to go meet an old friend of his, Jean-Claude, not Van Damme, 
different Jean Claude. Correct. Yes. He works for the French government. He says he now has a desk job. I feel like he says that like 40 damn times in this yeah. movie. I have a desk job. I have a desk job. Okay, I get the damn point here. But at the same time, like, that's great. You have a desk job. But this guy's telling you that, like, his daughter's missing. And he is not, like, willing to help this guy out at all. Well, and I like, think that's all. I think right from that point, Liam Neeson catches on that something else is going on. Yeah. I think he understands. Yeah. And, and I kind of knew it as well because then he gets tailed. So John Claude has um, Brian tailed. The next part, though, I don't understand how he figured this out. So he ends up trying to pick up a hooker. He hires an Albanian translator on the side of the road, which no, he, the he's Albanian, scheduled ahead of time. Yeah, but nonetheless, like he he pretends like he's trying to get a deal with a hooker, and he's just trying to agitate her so that the pimp shows up, and the pimp is Albanian. He slips like a list, like a recording audio device into yeah, part of a microphone. The, yeah, into the pimp's clothes or whatever, and then he has the translator in the car nearby. You know what is everything that this guy's saying, and so then he finds out. It takes him to a construction site. Uh, at the construction site, it's it's pretty much like a brothel. Is pretty much what they've turned it into, right? Yeah, they took the, they took the trailers from the construction site and turned them into a yeah, basically a brothel. Yeah, and so he ends up trying to figure out what's going on, and then he kind of loses it because he finds his daughter's jacket on another girl. So huge shooting, uh, shooting scene, car chases, all that great stuff while he's trying to figure out, like, he's he kidnapped. Well, it doesn't kidnap. He takes the girl out of the brothel because she's all drugged out and can't talk. Because um, that's the MO of the Albanian correct. sex traffickers. They get them hooked on, on drugs and then force them into prostitution. Exactly. So he takes, uh, he takes this girl to his hotel, makes his own IV. Apparently, being a CIA person, he knows how to make IVs. Well, that was the thing. I, he had a whole... If you look in later in that scene, there's a cardboard box there mm-hmm. that had all the medical supplies in it. I, what I'm willing to bet is there was a scene that was cut where he's obtaining all these medical supplies from something, from okay. some place. And, and then also, he goes to this hotel that he's obviously been to before because mm-hmm. the owner knows him, gives him his same room. Yep. It's obviously a safe house for CIA agents or for agents visiting the country. They may have had the supplies on hand in case they get shot. You know, that that's my thought on it. I, I'm, I'm willing to let that one pass just because there's a familiarity with the locale. With the locale. He's obviously been there before, um, and there could very well have been a scene that was cut. Okay. Yeah. He meets back up with John Claude, who is willing to offer him a plane ticket home, which I don't know why. No, not willing to offer him a plane ticket home. Well, he home. tells him the French government's going to give it to him, they so said, they the don't French arrest him. The French government wants to arrest you. Yeah. I talked them into giving you a plane ticket home. Yeah. Because he's pretty much causing havoc in Paris. Yeah, he's killed, what, 12 people at that point? Yeah, you uh, know, quite a few. Yeah, it blown up uh, or drove a truck through a trailer <laughs> yeah. uh, at the construction site. Uh, He's had a fun couple days. Well, uh, roughly a day. day. One yeah, day, yeah. In, in Paris. So, and it, it seems like it's possibly a setup as well. Um, obviously, he's CIA, so he disappears before the police try to swoop in on him. Um, doesn't get anything out of Jean-Claude then, but the girl does wake up by that point and shares somehow where this houses where she was yeah she said red doors and the paradise so the rue de paradise yeah, is a street yeah uh rue de paradise or whatever yeah. you want to, however you want to pronounce it and red doors 
So, you know, he tracks it down. That's feasible. Yeah, yeah. He's familiar with the area already. I guess. Because he's been there before. He has friends in that location. Yeah. He impersonates Jean-Claude, says he's, he's from the government, and he wants payment on, I guess, the hush operations. That, yeah, like hush money. And basically, exactly. the, the, they have a deal in place where the police stay out of the Albanians' hair. The Albanian plays them protection money, pays them money for yeah. them to stay out of the hair, their hair. Yeah, so they can go about their business. Which that must have just been a hunch, right? Because he very well could have shown up and maybe Jean-Claude was a well, good he, guy. I think he had an idea that... Well, something was going that on. That something was going on with somebody in their office. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, they put, he put two and two together, goes into the room, figures out who... This was the most... This was the part I... I you know, I... From what you've been saying up to this point, yeah. sure, I could see a CIA person maybe trying to get to this point, but then when he had the conversation with his daughter at the end of his big spiel that I gave, the guy says, good luck over the phone. Yeah. So then he's got like a, a flash card and he says, can you please translate this for me? And it just so happens that the one person in this kitchen says good luck exactly the same well, way. No, if you look, what he does is he... It's subtle. He talks to each individual person in that room one by one to hear their voices. The last guy hadn't spoken yet. So he turns and says, can you translate this for me? And then the guy says, good luck. There's no way in hell that no, would happen no, in real there, life. There's no way. There's no way. But People you sound so different like on the phone. And oh, you totally. and I sound different on this podcast. When I listen to myself, I'm like, that's really the way I sound? Like hearing other people like through communication cell phones whatever it may be like there's no way you could figure out pinpoint exactly who that person was i agree with you that's definitely that's definitely the stretch in this film yeah uh, but he shoots up the place kills a bunch of guys takes marco from Tripoya. he finds amanda along the way finds amanda who is strung out and dead who is dead which i felt bad for amanda amanda reminded me of barb from stranger things she was dead, and then no one cared about her ever again. You know what? I wish Amanda would have died sooner. Amanda's never mentioned again. We have no idea what's out the family. Amanda is toast over. Leaves her See body. Yep. Yeah. Maybe, well, you and I haven't seen the other Takens. Maybe maybe there is more of the Amanda story in the other Takens. You're right. Maybe there is. I don't think I there don't, is. Though. I don't care. You don't even care. No. All right. Yes, he does bring in Marco tortures them with some good electricity yep. it's a great torture scene that there. is a really good scene i, I did enjoy that torture scene it I, was uh <laughs> it was it was terrifying and <laughs> yeah. fantastic at the same time and and then i like how he like lies to him at the end after he gets his information he said he set him free and then he definitely fries the dude yeah oh yeah kills yeah. him he's not messing with him he said he was gonna kill him and he did another person on the list man yeah, absolutely so he does get some information about a guy named saint Clair. I think this might be my favorite scene because he goes to John Claude again. Brian does. Yeah, Brian does. And he goes to his house. So Jean Claude shows up from a day of work and oh, there's there's Brian. And he's just like having casual chit chat, helping set the table for dinner. You know, the wife's there and the two kids are having a grand old time. Jean-Claude looks like he just shit his pants. And uh, he's like, all right, give me a minute. He puts the kids to bed. Apparently, they weren't eating dinner that night. Well, I I, it's know. like he got home late. Mm, and so okay. the kids have probably already eaten. Yeah. Yep. And then he grabs his gun that he has hidden in the bathroom sink, under the bathroom sink. 
they they all sit down it looks like it's going to be a real nice joyous dinner conversation and then like it, it kind of gets out pretty quick like dude like this isn't happening he pulls out the gun brian is like do you think i didn't expect this to happen shows him the bullets that he took out of the gun yeah and then brian shoots his wife in the shoulder it's, like a, it's just a flesh wound just a flesh. still can you imagine that wife must have been like what the fuck uh-huh oh yeah and this is <laughs> they're just having a nice conversation she's like cutting the meat at the dinner table and then boom, she gets shot right in the shoulder hits the ground and this is all an effort to get <laughs> to get Jean Claude to to tell him who Saint Clair was. Yes, yes, exactly. So he pulls up the records on the police. Uh, he does. A, he does apologize. You know, he says, yeah. say, "Tell your wife I'm sorry that yeah. I I just shot your wife." Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give your wife my apologies. Huh? So he tracks down Saint Clair. Awesome. Uh, uh, I, I gotta go back. Hold on. Okay. There's another part of this 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 kitchen scene here because this is something that is predominant in action movies. Okay. Okay. How did Brian know that the gun was in under the bathroom sink? I know that they're friends, but how would that conversation ever happen that he would just know that gun was there? My guess is he probably, he he had obviously, he was there before Jean-Claude got home. Obviously, he probably slept with that wife too along the way for all we know. Then he shot her. Wow. <laughs> Real dark. <laughs> really? He shot her and that's the dark part? Well, he's just assuming he slept, sleeps with her. That's that's not what I assume he do. He seems well, relatively honorable. That would be a way for him then to go to the bathroom after sex. Like, let's you know, I got to freshen he, up. Let's just assume he had to pee like a normal person <laughs> or wash his hands before dinner. Mm-hmm. So he goes in the bathroom, searches the bathroom to see if there's any kind of hidden weapons. You know, which is weird. Yeah, I guess it would be weird to have hidden weapons with children around. <laughs> right? Like, I feel like you're, and they were young kids, like, they'd easily be able to find that. So this brings up my part two of what we see in action movies. Okay. So he takes out the bullets. Yeah. And then r- keeps the gun there. Yeah. So that Jean-Claude still thinks that the gun is useful. Okay. Would you, wouldn't you check to make sure that there's ammo in your gun? No, not in that case, because I would assume that. I would assume that it's set and ready to go. Like, how would he possibly know? You wouldn't take the extra half a second just to double check that there's a round in there, especially when it's especially when you know that Brian is there. Well, he had the well. Brian says, you know, you're obviously been behind a desk too long. You don't don't know the uh, difference between a, a loaded the weight difference between a loaded gun and an empty gun, right? So he, he makes mention of that. But but then finally, I have to say, like. Brian puts a lot of faith and trust in John Claude that he did not think, oh, is there bullets in this? Bond is great at doing this. James Bond, he always likes to empty people's uh, cartridges from their weapon and then just assumes that they didn't refill it before he shows up to them. That is a hell of a standoff. Because what if he did fill up his gun and then boom, shoots him, he's dead. Well, that it's all I guess, over. Is that the risk you're going to take? Yep, apparently it is. I wouldn't do that. I'd take the gun out and start shooting immediately. I'm not going to put that faith in that guy. Well, he put he got the gun when he went put the kids to bed. He put the kids to bed and came back. You're not going to shoot shoot. He's not going to shoot him in front of his kids. I don't know, man. Regardless, I, I'm just saying this is a, is it not a common thing in action movies that the bad guy always tries to disarm. Or the good guy just disarmed the bad guy and then somehow feels like, oh, I'll, I'll be okay because we just think that the bad guy is not going to check to make sure that there's anything in the gun. 
I mean, I guess if we're comparing it to Bond films, yes. <laughs> I mean, I would be checking that there is damn ammo in my gun if I'm going to show up and eat dinner at this guy. Well, it looks like you're going to make a better corrupt cop than this guy did. Well, that's true. All right. So he does get the information on St. Clair. They arrived at the sex trafficking auction. Uh, the last item is his daughter. This is the part that I found very convenient. Yeah. Is he shows up just in time to see his daughter get auctioned off. Mm-hmm. And he goes into this room with a random buyer and says, you know, puts a gun up to his head and says, you got to buy her for me. And I think she goes for like 500 grand or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So while he's leaving that room, he gets knocked out, which is the only time I guess he has his guard down. I feel like he'd be like totally ready for that. But apparently maybe, maybe the emotions got to him and he just like jumps right out of the room and then gets hit over the head, I guess. Yeah. Didn't really say. Yep. So now he's in like some... Basically, he's like in the, in the boiler like in room. In the basement boiler room, yeah. He's yeah. tied up against a you know a pipe. He's tied to a pipe. Yeah. St. Clair, you know, he tells St. Clair flat out, like, dude, I just want my daughter back. Please give her to me. And he's like, nope, it is, this is business. Nothing personal. And then he says, you know, kill this guy quietly. So they're trying to choke him with a belt. Right. You gave me a weird look like that wasn't true. No, it's summer shitter. Yeah, I know it is. Okay. Yeah. The the pipe. <laughs> okay. No weird look here. <laughs> Please continue. You're doing well. Well, I thought I was doing well. You're looking at me like I don't know what the hell I'm saying. No, you're good. Keep going. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The pipe. He somehow wiggles the pipe to come loose. This is the other convenient part. <laughs> Very oh, the convenient. Pipe, the pipe suddenly breaks yeah. and he's free. It not only breaks from the ceiling, but it breaks from the pipe that it's connected to. But they did give us some foreshadowing that he did see where the key was to the, um, what the hell are those things? Handcuffs? Thank you. Handcuffs. Lost the word there. You know, he sees where the key is to those handcuffs. He kicks ass in that boiler room pretty darn good. He confronts St. Clair in the elevator, says, where is she? He gets an idea of where she's going to be. Great car chase trying to get catch up to this boat. Um, where she's been sold off by this real creepy old person and great final scene on this boat. He jumps yeah. from a bridge um, right onto this big yacht that's right there on the Seine River and he's like kicking ass. Yeah, he just basically goes room to room on this on this yacht, killing guys and, uh, and, and making his way toward the back of the uh, toward yep. the back of the, of the yacht. And there he is and she's He's got the daughter like held up at gunpoint. Brian doesn't flinch. Knife. Shoots. She, she, the, oh, it the is a knife. The Sultan has a knife to. Uh, Thank you. The Sheik has a knife to her throat. Yeah. And he starts to say something, and then he just shoots the Sultan that or the yep. Sheik in the head, and that was it. And that was it. They go home. Lots of hugs and kisses. Movie ends. Yeah. There <sighs> should have been a little bit more to that ending, right? Well, not just that, but like they just let him leave. He's wreaked havoc. There's an investigate. There's obviously some kind of investigation going that's going to have to happen. He's clearly received medical attention because he got <laughs> shot in the arm, and he comes home with the bandage on. Yeah, you know, I, you'd think there'd be some kind of international incident. Well, maybe in the end, the French decided he did so much good that they just let him go. Or maybe the fact that there was so much corruption in the French police force that uh, they just let him go because they didn't want to risk an international incident there. Or maybe they realize this guy would probably kill any of us, so I don't let's just get him the hell out of our country. <laughs> I don't know if that was their concern. <laughs> I don't know. So that kind of does it for our movie. Um, 
This was on a $25 million budget. It made a good amount of money. Two hundred twenty-six million worldwide. Yeah, that's an ass load of money. Yeah, it is for the for a. This is a relatively. I mean, this is a twenty-five million dollar <coughs> film, but in two thousand eight, that's not a huge amount of money. Mm-mm. Um, and yeah, it did just gangbusters, man. It's it's obviously two sequels, a TV show. Yeah, have you seen this TV show? I I saw it just came out last year on NBC. Yeah, no, I haven't. I haven't watched it. I haven't watched it at all. Okay, I was curious there. Um. Pop quiz, hot shot. Oh, I had one coming up too. But oh, you did? I did. I told you I had one for this movie. I wonder if this is the same one. <clears throat> Maybe. You go first since you, you hit the button. So are, are, are Liam, Liam Neeson is, plays Brian in the movies. He does. Clive Standin plays Brian in the TV show. He does. Did you know they are both from the same country? No. They are both from Northern Ireland. That's not a pop quiz. How is it you you, you just told me. Oh, it's a, did me you, it's a did you know then? Fine. Yeah, that, that's not a pop quiz at all. Like <sighs> if you would have asked what country are they from, like that would be a pop quiz. Do you know how these work? It's late. I clearly don't. You clearly, that wasn't <laughs> a pop quiz. I'll give you that. <laughs> you just decided to state a random fact for me and then you used our pop quiz music. What the hell is wrong with you? You don't know how to function, do you? When it's just like, oh god, you're really going to try this again? Because I still have mine. Brian's weapon of choice is a Beretta 92 FS. (laughs) (laughs) You dumbass. Can you actually use it, and then I'll do mine? Because mine is an actual pop quiz. Pop quiz, hot shot. So you Maggie Grace was reportedly trained by world-renowned running coach. Albert Salazar in order to learn the finer points of running like a 12 year old girl. Stop reading IBDM or whatever the crap it's <laughs> called. <laughs> DB. Alright, sorry. Pop Seriously. Quiz, hot shot. You briefly mentioned this. That right. the martial arts style oh, used by God. Liam Neeson is Nagasu Do, a hybrid martial arts style that borrows from judo, aikido, and jujitsu. I know exactly why your brother Chops <laughs> hates your guts right now. <laughs> And doesn't want you to be on any of the other shows on GameZilla Media because you're an idiot. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Pop quiz, hot shot. I don't even know if I trust you at just, this point. Just go. We were briefly mentioning. Yes. Like how he kept killing a whole bunch of people, right? Yes. How many people would you guess he actually killed? How many people he killed? Yep. Like in the whole movie, start to finish? Yep. Or just in Paris? A whole movie. Uh, he kills everyone in Paris. He doesn't kill anyone back in the States. 35. You fucking looked it up. <laughs> God, I hate you. I hate your guts oh, so this, much. This is becoming my favorite episode. You are such a douchebag. <laughs> your little shirt there, Megan Sluggers. I wish I could take that bat right now and beat you over the head with it. Well, it says Negan Sluggers. What the hell's that? From Walking Dead, man. I don't watch Walking Dead. Obviously not. Well, I'm going to take his bat that's got barbed wire across it and bash you right over the head with it because you're a douchebag. <laughs> In fact, I hope you get taken and Liam Neeson says, fuck that guy. I'm not helping him out. Uh, are we ready to write this thing? I had one more story. Oh, please, please. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you clearly did because you've derailed the end of this episode. <laughs> What's your story? We had a nice little synopsis going. We went through the movie, learned a lot. 
And then you became an idiot. Yeah, she was taken. Now she's back. Go. <laughs> jackass. Did you hear about, speaking of jackass, did you hear about this jackass that pretended that this actually happened to him in real life? I did actually, yes. <laughs> so there is a self-proclaimed counterterrorism expert that was convicted of fraud after claiming that this film was based on a real-life incident that happened with him in which his daughter was killed. He pretended to be a retired Green Beret colonel and claimed to have 12 years. Actually, he didn't claim. He did have like 12 years. Um, no, I'm sorry. I'm still saying this wrong. He claimed to have 12 years of talking to U.S. government agencies about how to deal with counterterrorism. Then he started touring around the country sharing his story of what happened. Well, eventually someone figured out that this dude actually just was a Coast Guard and didn't have any of this experience. He ended up collecting like hundreds of thousands of dollars in fees for doing all of these speeches and, and you know, being a, a guest on all these different things. And he had to repay all of it and was told that he's never allowed to talk to people again about terrorism or human trafficking. I feel like it's kind of just a slap on the wrist, right? Yeah. You, you don't agree? I feel like he should have gone to jail. It says here he was not, he was given 500 hours of community service and he had to pay back the money. Well, I guess, it's, you know, he paid back the money. You're right. Slap on the wrist, sure. The dude lied for like a decade. It says here. Well, you want him executed? <laughs> no, I wouldn't say executed. It sounds but, like you want him executed. But spend some time in jail. All right. Well, maybe, you know what? Here's, here's what I would suggest. Here's what I would suggest to you. Go to law school, become a lawyer, become a judge, mm-hmm. try this guy again. Can <laughs> that, you do that? Or is it double jeopardy? That sounds, that would be double jeopardy. So uh, you are already so, wrong. So it looks like you're up shit's creek. This guy's, this guy's got off scot-free, uh, according to you. This episode needs to end because I don't want to look at your ugly face anymore. All right. <clears throat> we ready to rate this thing. This is still playing. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Let's rate this thing. This this is the episode that's going to get people to stop listening this to really us. Is. I hope you this know. This is that. our MC kids. You know what? You know I have a very special set of skills. I can't talking. It's not a very particular of set of skills. <laughs> Oh, this this episode's a train wreck. <laughs> when you walk back to your car tonight, I'm going to kill you. All right, I skipped the rest of the 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 quote. All anyway, right, so you go right, first. All right, I liked the movie a lot. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot more fun watching it than having to share this last hour with your ass. Action, <laughs> suspenseful. Liam Neeson steals the show. Does a fabulous job. You know the plot's pretty pretty simple. Like you said, daughter gets taken. He tries to hunt her down. He does so. But who cares? It's engaging. I liked it. I'm excited to watch Taken 2. And after that, Taken 3. And maybe the TV show of that random fact you decided to give me. But I'm going to go ahead and give this three and a half machine guns out of five. That was a solid movie. I agree. It is absolutely a solid movie. I enjoy Luke Besson films in general. This very much falls in line with most of Luke Besson's films. Lots of action. How many more times do you want to say Luke Besson? Lots of car chases generally tightly written obviously a few plot holes in it yeah um the action's good the acting's good 
Uh, it's just generally thoroughly enjoyable. Uh, I will give this. Yeah, I think three and a half is fair. Mm-hmm. I think three and a half is fair. Um, any more than that, I think we would have we would be glossing over some of the plot, some of the plot, Holes. which is a little. Yeah. Yeah, the little yeah, I can't really get around some of them, but yeah, three and a half. It's a solid movie, an absolute. I'm not going to say a must watch, but you really should watch it. It's a it's a good film. You know, a lot of those traditional action movies are getting harder and harder to come by. It's a it's a great action movie. I wouldn't even say this is a traditional action film. This is um, really I would. No, not traditional. How is this non traditional? Um, I think there's more. More what? I don't know. You don't know. It took 30 minutes for them to actually build up to any kind of action in the movie. The first 30 minutes is all set up, and it's all set up with building the relationship between But that's Leonis good. That's necessary. No, it is. And a good it, movie does that. A good movie does it, but not necessarily a traditional action film. In most traditional action films, it, it just, the action kicks off. Look at a movie like Die Hard, right? Yeah. In a movie like Die Hard, the action starts within the first... 15, 20 minutes of the film. Speed, right away. You know, look at any other movies we've done. Black Hawk Down. Well, Black Hawk Down is going to be a bad example. That's a terrible example. A that movie e- that movie took almost an hour to get it That's going. That's a terrible example. You're right. <laughs> Goldfinger. You got the stinger right at the beginning. Uh, yeah. You know, traditional action films. Uh, uh, I mean, but, but he has that scene at the concert where he's a security guard. Yeah, but... Uh, all right. I mean... I'm not saying you need to move your score to a four because you and I are in agreement. But I I just but it's a good traditional action film. I don't think it's a good action film. I'm not going to call it a traditional action film because I think it's slightly different than that. Like there's two. I think there's there's. I don't know. I just I'm not going to call it a traditional action film. You you don't know. You don't know what the hell you're talking about. Three and a half. I give it a three and a half. Perfect. All right. Let's let's do the business, shall we? Yes, the business indeed. Go to GameZillaMedia.com can find all of our products you sure can whether it's a blog or a podcast or long play or all sorts of fun awesome exciting stuff that can keep you entertained for an extremely long time yes unless you're watching a short play in which case that's the short period of time but you could watch a lot of them you could yeah that's kind of how that works but we don't do short plays we only do long plays then why did you bring it up i don't know Okay, so our shows do include um, our head show, GameZilla Media Podcast. GameZilla Podcast. Yeah, GameZilla Podcast, which will air live on Monday nights at right around 7 o'clock. Yeah, 7-ish, you know, whenever they feel like getting on. And then the podcast itself will be available for you on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. We also have GameZilla Alpha, which is on Sundays. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, We have the Legend of Retro, looking at classic video games yeah. with chops chops and, and xander and craig wk that's right we also have noobs and dragons yep which i enjoy quite a bit some dungeons and dragons fun there seeing craig wk pretty much mess around with grimlock jazzy and chops yes i hope he tortures them more yes he needs to he's mm-hmm. they are doing a fantastic job with that you know we're gonna wait until the next episode you know that what do you call that? Good cliffhangers. Cliffhanger. Thank Excellent you. Excellent cliffhangers. Yes. They are getting so much better. They're yes. very, very good. They were never bad to begin with. but these They, are they weren't, but yes, anyway. And yeah. So and then we have us that will be on every Monday. And we hope that you enjoy what we do. If you have any 
comments you would like to say, if you'd like to uh, further support us, we do have our Patreon page. Um, we would love for you to, to help us out so we can continue to offer all of these great things that we do and then have additional perks that are coming your way pretty soon here. Yep. Hopefully soon. Uh, yeah, so go to, go to patreon.com slash GameZilla Media, and uh, you can get access to early access to GameZilla Alpha. You can get access to um, behind the DM screen, which is, mm-hmm. a, uh, is, is a look behind the way uh, Craig kind of plans the show for D&D, and they talk about the different events of the show. Um, you can also visit us at uh, Facebook. You can visit us on Twitter and, and Instagram. Instagram. Yeah. So and you can it, go to gamezillamedia.com as well. Yeah. We'd love you to keep sharing. Uh, please share with people um, that you're enjoying our podcasts. And yeah, we'd love your continued support. Thank you so much. Yep. But as for now, this episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. Except LPJ, because I'm about to kill him. <laughs> <laughs>